say they like coast to coast, but on demand, raw and uncut interviews, and all without no ads. Once it's false, and one says true, and the waitress in grows too. America, America is here for you. Stories from the listeners, they sent to Graham. He'll read them and be amazed, but Darren may say no. One says red and one says blue, but if it's false, it just won't do. America, America is here for you. Okay, guys, welcome back to the America Show. We are going to be chatting political gambling, which uh, probably doesn't mean what you think it's going to mean, with Paul Krishnamurti a little bit later. And, uh, yeah, but first, as always, Graham, I put your odds at a million to one you'll ever hold any political office, Dunlop. How's it going, buddy? Hey, pretty good. And I will bet a dollar. Pretty good. I'd bet I'm at worse than that because I would never do it. Really? So, yeah. Who wants that? Never shit. say never. I can't believe we're even doing this podcasting <laughs> stuff. That could be your platform. Yeah. So I'm doing well. How you doing? Pretty good. Good. Yeah. By the time Recording this comes extra out, extra content. Oh, yes, we are for me. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to push the upgrade. Trying to push. The Sell upgrade. out the last uh, 25 tickets or so. Yeah. So. Press pause. You want to talk about that right now? Click on the show notes. Yeah, we might as well push it here for this. There's only three, two weeks left. So Sure, yeah. Okay, so we're trying to raise money for our new recording computer, and we don't have any ads, or no portals, no corporate sponsorship, nothing like that. And we're also pushing out two extra episodes in May to help push it. Yeah, yeah, but it's not just for that. I mean, we wanted to put a, push out extra content for a while, so... We're trying. We've been talking about actually switching to an extra episode a month, but we'll see. Yeah, that might be hard to do, but it, we could. We might be able to swing it. But we're still back catalogs for free. Everything's for free. There's no ads, no sponsorship, and um, so, anyways, people have been helping us raise money for a new recording computer because ours is nine years old and it's about to crap out. And uh, we decided to do like a raffley type thing where we're giving away an iPad full of stuff, some swag, and. Um, chance to come on the show and interview your favorite guest. Yeah. Whether it's someone we had on, someone we haven't had on, of course, it's subject to availability and approval. Yeah. But it's not just chance. Somebody will do it. Somebody will win. You know, oh, yeah. Somebody will win. They just might not get their top of the list. Well, hopefully. They might. Yeah, they might, but... And we don't come here expecting we're going to get Trump on for you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we only have so... You know, long of a reach. It'd have to be somebody we could get. Grab's reach is even less because he's only five feet tall. <laughs> Fuck off. I'm more than that. Five, five foot seven. There you go. Five and a half. No. Plus so, change. So, um, what was I saying? Sorry. Adam would call you an Oompa Loompa. <laughs> <clears throat> Did you hear him the other day? Cheryl Crow always wearing bell bottoms because she's an Oompa Loompa. <laughs> I think it turned out she was 5'7". No, 5'2", I think. Oh, was, yeah. yeah, maybe it was 5'2". Yeah, there's nothing wrong with short women at all. No, nothing wrong with short women. 
So, what was I saying <laughs> before all this? So, anyways, oh yeah, we I appreciate everybody's help. Like, so, Absolutely. so, so we've only got uh, like twenty five left to sell for the upgrade. Twenty four, actually. Twenty four. We sold one during the the recording today. Okay, and then um, to a subscriber, and we have lots of people donating monthly, which really helps our bills. So we really appreciate people's support. And this is gonna this little upgrade thing is gonna end when twenty four last tickets are sold, or the end of the month. The, yeah, the end of this month. And so within a couple of weeks, we knew the draw. So. Yeah, which is also our three-year anniversary. We almost will be at about, uh, or we'll hit 170-some shows before yeah. three years. That's not too bad. Yeah. We'll shut her down. It's pretty steady. Steady, Eddie. Every week, we try. I think it, yeah. Fuck. Three years. Sick of you. So what do you got for me, buddy? Well, I got a I got a MUFON report, and I got some tales and some synchronicities from listeners, some good ones. I haven't put on the MUFON jingle yet, so you'll have to settle for... Well, no. Oh, that's for the MUFON jingle? Yeah. Well... You, don't I you gotta have, put them all on the soundboard. Don't you have access? You don't have access to the other one. We got a new jingle for it. Yeah, I know. Oh, I gotta geez. fucking put it all on the thing here. <clears throat> We're a two man team here. Okay. We need an intern. Yeah, we do actually. Let's that see if we help. can. Let's see if we can find an intern shorter <laughs> than you. <laughs> kick your ass. You come to me in my next hot yoga class. You're gonna kick my you. ass. Yeah. I thought you had your non-violence thing. Remember, yeah. I bet I could get you to hit me by summer. <laughs> oh, what am I doing again? The uh, MUFON report, right? Yes. That's right. This is MUFON report number 76247 from Syracuse, New York. So, hmm. I was on my deck in my backyard about 3.30 a.m. This is uh, this is only in um, May 8th. 2016, so it was just the other day, when I looked up and noticed a bright red glowing orb moving southwards towards my location. It was crossing the highway right behind my backyard, and at first I thought it was a meteor. However, as it got closer, it started turning, and by the time it passed directly over me, it was heading west, parallel to the highway. As far as I know, meteors don't turn like that, and there was no taillight, no bright meteor-type aura around it. When the object passed over me, I could see it was it did not having running lights, wing or tail, engines, propellers, rotors, skids, landing gear, or any type of identifiable control surfaces as normally seen on aircraft. It also remained orb-shaped, and it did not change in shape as it passed overhead. Also, as it passed overhead, it was completely it was completely silent, and there was no sound of any kind indicating a jet or turbine engine, which its source was its source of propulsion. It seemed to be moving very fast and appeared to accelerate as it turned. It what also, was that little swoop there with you do with your just, hand? I can picture it oh, accelerating as it turned. Just like that? Should we put a little, little video of that? Sure. So people can see. Also, it did not bank as normal aircraft do. It simply turned while staying level to the ground. <laughs> the motion can only be described as gliding, as if it weren't actually being propelled by anything other than its own momentum. It was very smooth and 100% consistent throughout its maneuver. Its acceleration while turning did not look like anything I've ever seen a conventional aircraft do before. The highway was empty at that time, so there was no traffic to drown out the sound of an engine. In fact, we have aircraft, including Helos, pass over all the time during the day, and you can hear them over the sound of the traffic easily. 
The orb was a bright but solid red slash orange in color. It did not fade or blink and looked to be dense and solid. It did pulsate, but the actual color never changed or faded. It remained very intense and consistent. I strongly felt I was watching a mechanical object and not a ball of light. I followed it until it disappeared from view after passing over the NYS fairgrounds. When I went back inside the speakers, when I went back inside the speakers for one of the laptops, the Skype, despite being turned off and unplugged, were remaining a lot of static and some other sounds I could not identify. Huh. It wasn't until I went back inside that I realized the hair had been standing up on the back of my neck and I was left a little feeling a little uneasy about what I just saw. I've seen a lot of airplanes. I lived for four years right off the runway at Hancock in Syracuse. I've been passenger jets of all sizes, helos, drones, and fighter jets, F-16s, 15s, and 18s. All I can say is I was left with the certainty that this was not any type of normal aircraft. I don't know what it was, but deep down inside I felt... Certainly, that it was a UFO. A UFO. UFO. UAP. Well, it definitely was a UFO. The question is what that UFO was. That's right. So, that reminds me of our episode, which I have to bring up now. Terry Ray. Terry Ray. Do you know, uh, here's a kind of a trivia question for you. Terry Ray's episode, we did an episode with Terry Ray, who wrote the book, The Complete Story of the Worldwide Invasion of the Orange Orbs. And it was pretty interesting, but it sounds exactly like what this guy was talking about. Um, except that I don't know if it was as machine... Well, yeah, I guess it was... He was saying they were machine-like. Um, anyways, that episode, Darren, goes back to when? Before we had our... Before, before we started we counting. Numbers. Yeah, January 31st, 2015. So. Subscribe slash Ray. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was around 97 if we would have been numbering them. But we weren't. Yeah, that was that was one of my favorite episodes, actually. Very similar to that MUFON report. <coughs> 101 was the first number, I think, right? And yeah. I think Matheson was number 100. Yeah. So, hey, I could... Uh, I wonder if we should do another special for the 202nd. Yeah, that's a good idea. And do 303 and all that, every 101st. Yeah, that'd be better than the round number of 100. So speaking, do you want to stay in that vein? Even though this is a political podcast podcast coming up, I do have a, a UAP report from a listener. Uh, oh, you don't have that jingle either, eh? Do you want to shave that? Shave that for another time? Shave that shit. Do I, do I have a jingle for a UFO sighting? I don't think I do. Uh, yeah, you do. Do I? Or is that the MUFON one? That's the MUFON one, I think. MUFON synchronicity and something else. Yeah, maybe not. I got, uh... Graham is an all-in believer in chemtrails. <laughs> That's your day, though. <laughs> that was your jingle. Do you want... Should I read this? Or yeah. This UAP report? Yeah. So this is from uh, Brian in Delta. He's emailed us before. Where, so he says, where's Delta? It's uh, right near the airport. Right near the airport um, next to Richmond, across the river from Richmond. No. In the it's States? Kind of north, it's kind of east Vancouver? of Vancouver. No, Vancouver, yeah. Oh. yeah. So he says, hey, Graham and Darren, and he spells it the way Graham pronounces it, G-R-A-M. Sorry for the crappy photo quality. My phone focused on That's the That's how I pronounce it, not Graham. I said Darren, didn't I? No. Yeah. 
My phone focused on the water droplets on the window instead of the object I was looking at. Smartphone my ass. Early one morning in January 13th of 2012. This is a towel, a trowel-shaped object that I saw above the moving, low-flying, low-lying fog bank as it cleared. I spotted this object from some 15 kilometers away, and it never moved the whole time I drove toward it. It had a, it had a slight or small vertical stabilizer on top of the tail end, from what I could make out, but I am not certain entirely. The thing looks like it is in the picture, made entirely of a dense wall defined black smoke. It had black line or swooping exhaust trail behind it as if the object swooped to a stop and simply stuck there in the sky. This thin line of smoke trail lingered in the air as long as the trial-shaped object did. This thing was very large, about the size of a twin-engine turboprop 30 30 passenger plane and it was quite close to the ground i would estimate less than 500 feet that's 154.32 meters for darren it never moved it retained its cohesive smoky like appearance for more than a half an hour sitting motionless in a stiff morning breeze it then began to dissolve like pulling apart cotton candy and melted away into the wind that's brian from delta p.s Darren, I wrote in on episode 161, if I recall, describing my transparent visitor. Darren made a comment describing my dogs as he saw them in his mind's eye. I mentioned them as a part of my experience. He was incredibly close to being correct. If I recall, he said a chihuahua and a shih tzu. My dogs are a Havanese. One dog is very small and brown and barks a lot. I nicknamed him Bean, and the other dog is twice as big, white, black, very similar looking to a shih tzu. Many people make that distinction when seeing them in person. Far from a remote viewer standpoint, you did a very good job. As a side note, didn't I say I'd give an extra point if I could guess the dogs? Oh, maybe. Yeah, maybe you did. Yeah. He said, as a side note, if you breed a Shih Tzu with a Havanese, you get a having a shit. And that's a little squatty potty humor for you. That's from Brian. Stay cool in the igloo, he says. Thanks, Today's Brian. perfect weather. Yeah, it was. Yeah, thanks for that uh, report. Yeah, that was a good one. Maybe it was a, a, t- a test for some black... Have you heard of the dark chemtrails? The dark chemtrails? No, well, yeah, I don't know, maybe. It's got to be a plane. Apparently it's got stabilizers. The black ones with white ones over top of them and shit. Oh, really? Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I, uh... Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, the idea of it's hovering in space just reminds me of, like... Uh, a rocket launch, or when things kind of come into the atmosphere and burn up. Yeah. You know, it always has that, like... A little wispy trail. Wispy yeah. trail, yeah. Mm-hmm. Did he send the picture? Uh, I will say that if if your phone's an iPhone, if you want it to focus on something else, if you touch the screen where that object is, it should change the focal point. But anytime you're taking a picture through a window, it's tough. Yeah. I, I can't seem to... Uh find it in this new email program here huh that's weird hmm. he did send it to me but i think i don't think i forwarded it to that how's your new program. email search going uh, a little better is it that's good yeah <laughs> so what's next what's next uh well we got a meetup happening that darren and i are going to go to where darren thinks he's going to go but we'll see what are we if at? he shows up we're at the same six yeah, yeah six or seven of us yeah Okay. I might bring some friends too. 
you know, bring some friends to get the number up. Well, if I decide I'm coming, I get shotgun. <clears throat> sure. I can decide last minute. And that's still my spot. That's, sure. Um, so anyways, this Unless is... I uh, take the, the res rocket up. Is that what you're calling it? Yeah. So this is the No Agenda show. People are uh, actually meeting up about, you know, and having you know discussions with like-minded people and stuff who listen to the No Agenda show. We're fans of their show. And we donate to the show to help out. They're also value for value. So it's in Red Deer on May 28th. I'm going to put a link in the show notes and hopefully we'll see more local people up there. Yeah, well, I think it's good to get the ball rolling because I think Curry's coming up here this summer, right? Oh. In the sh- Airstream? Should I say big thanks to Monica Lansing for, for organizing Dame. it? Dame Monica That's Lansing. That's Dame Monica yes, Lansing yes, to you. Sorry. And uh, actually, we want to have a couple of podcasts with Knights from the No Agenda Roundtable. That's people that have donated a certain amount of money to their show. What about Dave? I want to do. I want to do a European one and a, a North American one. Let's start off. Get a few people on there. So yeah, Monica's invited, of course. So if She's you guys know first. any nights, yeah, if you're yeah. a night, let anyone been take take, take part, part in that podcast. Just give a platform for some people that want to talk about some of the most important issues going on. Yeah, I could see that turning into a whole new show. Right on. Well, I should have mentioned it in the last intro. I forgot. There you have it. Uh, what else you got? Um, I, I got a, a sort of darker, colder um, listener experience. That, Ooh, um, so maybe that'd be know. like... That wasn't the one. No, that's no, not the one. What? I was looking for... Uh, yeah, this is a pro- an appropriate one. I think. Is it real or a dream? What does that even mean? So, yeah, this is a. I think this would be appropriate. I haven't read this one for a while here, but this is a, a short tale for the show. From he says, "Hi, Graham and Darren. A short tale that I have no idea what to make of. It happened to me back in the '90s, so I can't remember exactly when. But that's you know, old age for you." Since leaving college, I've worked offshore. You're calling old. It's like it's like me talking about my experiences in the nineties, right? Okay. I don't know when, but I feel like I'm getting old. Okay. Well, you probably shouldn't play that off on. That's he's saying. Oh, okay. He's saying. I it. thought it's you were okay. okay. I did. <laughs> <laughs> so he says, uh, since leaving college, I've worked offshore on oil platforms in the North Sea. Because I lived away from Aberdeen, where we got the chopper flights to go out to the platforms, I would have to travel down to Aberdeen the night before and stay in a hotel before traveling out the next morning. So I'd get the train down, walk to the hotel, and typically have a couple of beers at the bar with some supper before going to bed for an early start. I had gone to bed, and to be honest, never slept well the night before, as I tend to make to wake every hour or so clock-watching and worrying about sleeping in and missing the bus to the heliport. When the following occurred, I didn't feel like I had fallen asleep, nor did it feel like much time had passed since I had tried to. The lights in the room were off, but there was enough light coming in from the window through the curtain to see the room clearly. I was lying on my right side with my head looking up to the ceiling. When I opened my eyes, I saw a shape about three feet away from my head, between my head and where my eyes met the ceiling. It was a double cone shape with the bases joined, spinning quickly in a clockwise direction. 
and look to be made of thick gray smoke. Oh, that's weird. I forgot about that part. About two seconds after I opened my eyes, it rushed towards me and hit me directly in the face. A shock of cold rushed through my whole body, and then it was, that was it. Nothing to see, and other than the lingering feeling of cold, there was no other sensation. I got up and switched the lights for the room on, but there was nothing to see. And after a little while, I went back to bed and tried to get some sleep, but it was pretty unsuccessful. However, morning came and off to work I went. To date, nothing like this has ever reoccurred. A lucid dream or a nightmare? It might have been. A hallucination from a couple beers? I highly doubt as this has never happened with alcohol before or since. The only hallucinations I've ever had were once from mushrooms, once from cannabis oil, and once from super skunk weed. So let me say it again. I was lying on my right side with my head looking up to the ceiling. When I opened my eyes, I saw a shape about three feet away from my head between my head and where my eyes met the ceiling. It was a double cone shape with the bases joined, spinning quickly in a clockwise direction, and looked to be made of a thick gray smoke. About two seconds after I opened my eyes, it rushed towards me and hit me directly in the face. A shock of cold rushed through my body, and then that was it. And you woke up. (laughs) Nothing to see other than the lingering feeling of cold. There was no other sensation. Sounds like one of those weird after dreamies, you know what I mean? I catch myself in them all the time. I don't know. Or you're like, get up for your alarm goes off and you lie back down. And all of a sudden, your water line's broken and your basement's flooded, and then you wake up and it's all normal. I had one just the other day. A hypnagogic type dream, like? Yeah. Because hmm. I think that's when people I say you're more dreamlets. I think that's when they say you can be more, more lucid, right? Hmm. I've been drinking lucid tea. I've found a lucid tea, and I'm I'm I found lucid dreaming tea, and I'm going to buy lucidamine from this uh, site. There you go. And then I took these other little pills of HTP, five HTP that someone was recommending to go along with that tea, and You're having some lucid dreams. Uh, no, not lucid, but I had a pretty crazy you dream get about stoned off the shit. No, no, I had a dream about about dinosaurs fighting dinosaurs and stuff, or dragons. I can't, I can't quite remember what was what, but you were fighting them. A whole bunch of us were, and then we're in this weird city type scape, and then we found this thing that would kill them, and it was like this 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 live creature, but it was kind of uh, soily or like oozy and stuff. Yeah, and that it was so poisonous that. that as soon as you touched you touched your lip, you died instantly. So we were using this to kill the dinosaurs because I like the taste of it, right? And then the last one was this big fucking T-Rex coming at me, and I had this little piece of it left, and I had to run up to it and throw it up in the air and hope that it went and grabbed it in its mouth. Did it? And it did, and I was like, yeah, yeah! it's going to die. But it Double took, fist bump? But it didn't die right away. <laughs> so it you know, still chasing me around. I couldn't run, and it finally died. Like, and his head fell. It was like right over the movies, right in front of me and just died. Huh. It was fucking scary. But crazy, but I wasn't really super scared for some reason. So maybe I was kind of half lucid, but because you think I'd really be shitting, right? I hope I wasn't in it. I don't think so. Good. Yeah, I don't really dream about you. Keep me out of there. <laughs> so fighting dragons. I th- yeah, or I'm the dragon yeah. slayer. That little thing that reminds you of that little fucking blob of stuff on Existence that was a video game. Oh, I don't. Existence is a video game. 
No, it's a movie about the future of video games. Oh, really? Where you like attach these things. These things are like semi alive, and they like yeah. they like attach themselves into your back or something. Oh, like that. wow! Yeah, it, it felt like the semi alive Uzi blobby thing. Yeah. And then it like takes over your brain and makes you think you're in the game. Or wow, I can't remember. I watched it a long time ago, like fucking a long time ago. I bet you close to twenty years ago. Hmm. Ahead yeah. of its time. Yeah, I never. I've never heard of it. I don't think. I wonder. Keep talking. So anyways, uh, to finish this off, he says, not a synchro, just a strange tale that I've never bottomed out, that I've never bottomed out, but wanted to share on the show. It might be unlikely, but if any of other listeners have experienced anything similar, I'd like to hear about it through the show rather than directly. So please not give out my name or email. Shit. Oh, sorry. It was 1999. I said his name. Damn it. Darren. You said his name? Yeah. And you weren't supposed to? No, I only said his first name, though. Should I bleep it? Yeah, can you bleep that out? Ah, for fuck's sakes. (laughs) What time did you say it? When? Now you're going to have to listen to the whole intro. It was about five minutes ago. So somewhere between 18 and 25. Write that down. I got it. Okay. (laughs) So I got the movie here. It's, uh, let's see. Here, let me, let me finish this up first. So he says, you ready, Darren? Yeah. Please keep up the great show. It has given me many things to think about since I started listening, and I hope the more we'll think of donating to keep you on the air. I've been an 1111 subscriber for some time now, and I'm more than glad to do so to, keep, to help keep this going. So thank you so much, Valve Monkey. Valve Monkey? Yeah. I know Love and Light, is. ITM. Yeah, you, I think you probably, yeah. AB? I don't know. Hmm. Okay. So, yeah, thanks for the tale, man. That's, that was a good one. Yeah. Scary. It was almost as scary as your dragon fighting dream. <laughs> Usually the dragon slaying dreams are wet dreams. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have a, uh, I don't have a, I don't have that, no, it's too bad. I do have a, actually someone just commented on the YouTube yesterday about how dry the show is. Dry? Yeah. What does that mean? Not funny. No, it doesn't. Not wet? I don't think it means or that. Or dry is like dry humor? Yeah, I don't maybe. know. I don't know what, yeah. what's dry, I don't know the difference between dry humor and wet humor, so. Yeah. Don't know. Said I do like this show, but it's pretty fucking dry. Darren sounds just like a less purposely funny Adam Carolla. Less purposely funny. Purposefully. It's purposeful. Is purposefully a word? Yeah, I think I think I know what he means, maybe. Do you? Yeah. Does that mean I'm not I try too hard? No, you try you don't try I hard don't try enough. hard enough. No. <laughs> You're not getting any more effort, so just skip skip forward to the we put Just a timestamp on every every one. Skip forward to the interview. Oh, I got feedback about that. Did it? Oh, I saw some people of that sweater. Yeah, yeah oh, Bad cool. Hammer was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout out to Bad all the Hammer's people. a big boy too, so you better watch it. Yeah, shout out to all the Twitter peeps out there. Come over there and beat you up. Yeah, probably a pussy cat. Not like I'm the Dragon Slayer here. Packs a lot of punch in that little frame. I tried to run away a few times, and I couldn't move in my dream. I was stuck there. 
I wish I could be like in the room. No, that sounds weird. But I wonder if you were like rolling around no. your bed and like sweating. No. How do you know? Because that was at the end of the night when I woke up and I felt pretty normal. I was oh, did you? Yeah, no, maybe I was wrong. I think I was rolling around a little You're bit. You're like in the yeah, kitchen? Probably, no. <laughs> so yeah, that's about it, I think, okay? I like it. People can set in. We should make that a new segment. People can send in their... Uh, their dreams and nightmares? They're just crazy dreams. Well, yeah, that's... that's fighting been, dragons. Yeah. They don't have to be lucid. No, exactly. That's a good one, too. Yeah. yeah. Sure. All right, motherfucker. Anything else? No, that's it, man. Uh, did we talk about supporting that? I think yeah, we already I think did. We did. Yeah. So uh, tell your friends about this show. That's another big one. Check Sign up the for the notes. newsletter. Yeah. Sign people up for the newsletter. Um, uh, slash news. Send us your jingles. Send your stories, your dreams, your reports, your lucid dreams, your drug stories, your whatever you got. Send it to Graham. And uh, send your cash. Tell your friends about the show. I think that's about it. Yeah, you can leave a voicemail or send a postcard as well. That's right. That's all at uh, grammarica.ca, which is our homepage. There's a bunch of blogs there. We got a bunch of great bloggers. Um, we're not just a podcast, so head over there and uh, you can check out all the uh, great blogs by all our uh, our team of bloggers. Maybe. If you want to join that team, shoot me an email, darren at grammarica.com, and uh, we can make that happen as well. Right on. All Thanks, right, guys. Buddy. Enjoy the uh, the chat. It's a fun one. I would have won some money. Well, maybe not yet, but it looks like he'll be the, Trump will be the nominee already. So I would have won. What did he say? Like ten to one. Yeah, you would have done good. Yeah. Fuck. Let's bet on something crazy. Oh, that's right. We do put the shout out to the UK posse in this episode as well. Yeah. Because apparently we need one of you guys to run a phantom account for us here, so that we can <laughs> bet on some politicians. Bet on some politics. All right, guys. Enjoy the chat. See you in the outro. So tonight we have Paul Krishnamurti here in Grimerica. Paul is the chief political analyst for the world's leading betting exchange, betfair.com. Get that. And he's a professional gambler, a freelance journalist, and a political analyst from Manchester, England. So we got lots of listeners in the UK to probably be uh, happy to hear about you. They'll probably understand more than we do what's going on over there because I don't think we really have a lot of betting on elections over here but welcome to the show Paul if we did bet on elections I would be way out in front right now (laughs) because I said Donald Trump was going to win the nomination week one did you? well done might have been week two has that been a surprise for you guys Paul? it was a shock for everybody 
I think it was an absolute shock for everybody. Um, he has been favourite since he won New Hampshire, but there's been resistance. There's been market resistance to Donald Trump throughout, and you know I, I didn't predict him certainly. Wow. Yeah, what? I want to say it was probably four months ago. I, I can't remember. It was before the primary started for sure. Right. So why did I you? Why? I, I don't know. I'm I don't even like the guy. You know what's funny is I've never liked the guy. Like when he did his apprentice show and I was, I've just, he's always just left a bad taste in my mouth. But uh, for some reason, I just think he's the right man for the job. <laughs> <laughs> and I just had a feeling when, uh, I just had a feeling that the shit he was saying was going to resonate. And the way the media started going after him right away and spinning his words and, you know, trying to make him out to be this and that, it just seemed like even they, I think more people than I knew. And I was just guessing, to be honest. But I think I think everyone kind of knew. Um, no one wanted to well, admit it. Uh, it. It's kind of rewritten the rules because, of course, I mean, the reason why... And there was a lot of market resistance. Was this fact that he's, you know, deeply unpopular with a lot, even conservatives, a lot of even people in his own party. Hence, why we still have this insane civil war in the Republican Party going on. Um, and certainly, my feeling at the start was. So, I mean, I made money out of it because I trade the candidates as they go up and down. <laughs> So if I would have put if I would have put a hundred bucks on Trump to be the nominee before the primary started, what kind of return would I have been looking at? Well, so if we if we're talking about January, yeah, it was at least that. Then, yeah, then then you would get if you put a hundred pound on you now you now get four hundred back. But had you put it on like nine months ago, you know, in uh, say August September when he was top of the polls and the debates were starting. You'd have got about um, a thousand, a hundred, not nine, ten to one. You'd have got. Wow, I was some. I bet you I was somewhere in the six or seven to one area. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I mean that that that's a big price for politics. You know, favourites generally win, so that's a very big price. That's a, <coughs> a big upset, really. So what's going on then? How come this year it seems like there's upsets all over the place? I mean, I've never, I've always kind of been a proponent of U.S. politics. When the debates and stuff come along, I kind of care, not really. Um, but it, for some reason this year, I just can't take my eyes off it. Yeah, I think that's a phenomenon around the world. I mean, there's certainly never been more betting on it, and there's never been greater interest in the U.K. in an American election. It, there is always a big event in American politics, but this time it's been different. I think that... Um, the wider thing as to why it's happening is that there's a phenomenon around the world, really, which has a lot to do with the, probably the economic crisis, the bank crash, yeah. in response to that, and also the use of social media. And there are outsiders winning everywhere. They come in different forms. Sometimes they're on the left, sometimes they're on the right, sometimes they're celebrities. Um, but there is a 
outside, there's a drive towards outsiders across the Western world. In politics, you're talking about? In politics, wow. yeah. Wow. Uh, and the question now is, in Trump's case, is, does Trump convert that outsider popularity into actually winning? Because what generally happens with these outsiders is that they peak early and then they're scrutinised and then they become toxic to the majority and the mainstream party wins. So, is, yeah, well, remember Dvorak always said he wasn't going to win it this time. He'd win it in 2020. Uh-huh. But has he come too far for that at this point? If he goes down, is it kind of, that's it? My feeling is, you know, that yeah, I, I only think he'll run the once, and I, my feeling is he's going to lose very, very badly, historically badly. Really? And it will be an absolute, I think the Republican Party has just in absolute turmoil. Huh. I, I don't see how, I mean, they were starting from a, you start. Uh, I think if, if you take a generic Republican candidate and a generic Democrat candidate, the Democrat candidate would probably win, like fifty-one, forty-nine, something like that. Um, and in order to change that, obviously they have to win particularly more Hispanic voters. And instead, Trump is going to drive a record number of Hispanic voters to the polls to stop him. Um, and they have to win. You have to win independence. And he, he's Trump is really his unfavorables are worse than any candidate <laughs> in presidential history. And he's never been. He's never been such an outsider at this stage in the betting either. Do you do you think that some of it though is gonna like there's an honesty to it though, right? And there's a and it's there's so much bullshit in the media about him. Like it's hard to sift through. And really, everything is put out of context. So, isn't he? Do you think he's getting to some people at a deeper level, though? If, if I mean, if you if you were just to watch the media, you would sense that yes, it's uh, he's making a lot of enemies. But that's really not what's going on deeper, though, is it? Well, I no, I think it is. I think that what's happened is he's really connect, He's strongly connected with a lot of people, obviously. You know, ten million, something like ten million people voted for him in the Republican primaries. But the number of general election voters is 140, 130, 140 million. And there's very little evidence, even during the primaries, that he's winning anyone else over. I mean, one of the features of the primaries was that Trump had this solid forty percent that was just loyal. Almost everywhere, even in the states where he was unfaithful, he was getting sort of 30, 35. But then it stopped. He was peaking, and until New York, when the momentum just changed, it did look like he might not even get it. He might not even get to the record number, the number, because it seemed that all of the late voters, and I think this was a phenomenon throughout the race, was that beyond that 40%, maybe up to 50% of Republicans that supported him. The other fifty percent were anyone but anyone but Trump, and they were just trying to pick someone, and they were split fifteen ways. Mm. Do you think um, he? Go ahead. No, I, I think this is—it's a phenomenon that you. This is another phenomenon with the outsider um, thing that a lot of the time I think what's happening. So, if, if you say that Trump is reflecting something on the right in American politics, in the UK we have the opposite. 
um, phenomenon where the, the left have become quite radicalised and they've elected a very left-wing leader of the Labour Party, the consequence of which is they're not going to win. Mm. And it's the same kind of thing where there's a, like a, a large section of society that's really angry because they're in opposition and things aren't, the, the, you know, they disagree with the direction the country's travelling in. The more radical and angry they get, the more they alienate the people in the middle. Yeah. So the trick is to just get a little bit angry. <laughs> I think, well, I think it's also, the thing with, with Trump as well is that you've got to make people feel secure, trust you. And, you know, if you take foreign policy, obviously it's a huge issue in any country, particularly American politics. Trump doesn't exude confidence in people that people, you know, on his own side say, this guy can't be commander-in-chief. He doesn't know anything about foreign policy. Yeah, so the country is mixed up. You know, um, and that's going to scare off a lot of people. Hmm. And I think they'd rather, I think that ultimately the middle ground people in most countries, they want a kind of someone who they see as business-like and competent, whether they are competent or not, because that's obviously very subjective. Yeah. I mean, aren't all the presidents somewhat in the dark about that? I mean, like, he, I just feel like he's he hasn't got a, And I'm not, like, defending him by any means because I really don't follow that much. But from what I've seen, it seems like that's a, the media spin that's put on that. Like, if you hear Hillary say, oh, he's very vague and he doesn't have any specifics, and then you listen to her chat, she, does, she doesn't have any more specifics either. Like, he, he seems to be... I don't know. I, I, don't... I think I personally think that will come out in the debate. Right. So, you see, another part of the Trump phenomenon is that it's just been the nature of the race. I mean, there's never been anything like it. Seventeen people in the leadership contest, and normally it's three, four, six, maybe seventeen. Two debates on the same night: the undercard and the, the main one. So. It, each candidate's getting a very limited amount of time to talk. Right. This is the first six months. And most of the politicians, with the exception, say, of Trump and Jeb Bush, most people haven't heard of them, or they don't know much about them. They might go, oh, I know that I heard that Marco Rubio. I'd like to find out more about him. They're not going to find out much if he only gets to speak for two minutes. Whereas out of those debates, every single time, and out of this confusion comes the one name everyone remembers was Trump. Yeah. And they remember the thing that he said because it was memorable, even if it was crazy, like having to go at Megyn Kelly or something. <laughs> right? They, they, <laughs> it was memorable. It dominated the headlines. So the race just became defined as Trump or not. And by the time those other candidates, you know, began to get a hearing, it already started. He'd already got in front. And then it just turned into a war and, you know, nobody came out looking good. What What about the... The, what about him breaking this whole system wide open, right? And showing how corrupt it really is and how he wasn't, you know, taking any money and, and he was getting all this negative media publicity anyways. Like, I mean, do you think that this has changed the political landscape for good in the States? Mm -hmm. Like, I think it's changed the political landscape in that it's changed who can run, it's changed the rules. But again, a lot of this stuff is going to unravel, could unravel because already he said, he said he wasn't taking any money, for instance, Trump. Right, but then it came out that he's only lent the money to his campaign, uh -huh. his own campaign. Meaning it can be paid back. It needs to be paid back. 
And so now, suddenly, he's taking donations. And yeah. this is, I think Obama did the same thing in 2008. You know, it was all like only small donations. And then once you become the presidential candidate, everyone wants to throw money at you. And suddenly, oh, well, okay, we'll, we'll let you pay off my debts for me. But I, I don't think, that's the other thing, I don't really think that Trump will stand up. I, I think that he's, he's switched on so many positions and this stuff hasn't really been explored. And what was interesting was this, when he went to Wisconsin, the start of April, and, you know, he's a runaway leader, really, and normally by that time, the party is uniting around their candidate and, you know, preparing for the general election. And he goes into Wisconsin and just has a series of total car crash interviews where he got asked about abortion and he took three different positions in, like, one interview, more or less, right, and alienated everybody on both sides of the debate. Um, and then there was another one with Anderson Cooper at Town Hall where he got asked about foreign policy and it was just all over the place. And that didn't really happen prior to Wisconsin because the whole narrative was about the war between him and Ted Cruz or, you know, the primaries. But once he was kind of being interviewed as the presumptive nominee, it changed. And I think, I mean, this week, this first week, it hasn't gone very well. And Republicans are lining up to distance themselves and rule themselves out for serving under him. So there's, there's more, there could be more fun to come. Wow. And then what about on the other side? Because, you know, we hear about Bernie making all this headway and he's at, he's having these uh, rallies with 30,000 people, blah, blah, blah. And you never hear anything about it in the media. And it's all just Hillary, Hillary, Hillary. Like, how has that side been in, in, in a historical context? Do you know, I think that has more um, relevance to what we talked about before about the system changing. I mean, I went to a Bernie Sanders rally in Iowa, and it was quite extraordinary, actually, like the numbers, right. considering that this was an outsider, you know, who yeah. wasn't well known. And, yeah, you did get the sense that there was change in the air, and I think that another candidate... At a different time, he would win, or another candidate with the same message facing another candidate other than Clinton could win. You know, it was, I think that the reason that she's won is really because the, she has a machine all over the country of, yeah. you know, connected endorsements and all of this. And so when it came particularly to the South in the early stages, Bernie Sanders didn't have any sort of operation, really. He's starting a brand new operation in a place where, in a whole slave of America where he was hardly known. Yeah. And predictably, she's walked away with like 90% of the delegates. And it's, it's only impossible to come back from. Um, I mean, it's, it's another messed up race. I mean, really, you know, they would like to be have a settled nominee by now and be focused on the general election. They're still fighting primaries. But the Sanders thing is really interesting in the how much money he raised in small donations, just showing there is an appetite for that grassroots movement hmm. idea. And it, and then the other thing is it's it's really changed the landscape of people being. Well, I think it has. I mean, and I don't follow it too much. I mean, we don't really touch on politics that much on the show, but it's hard to avoid it this year. But 
the way that um, the superdelegates work and all that, right? Like how really the people really don't get to choose at this level of of the game who's who's in there. I mean, it seems to me like this is becoming more part of the mainstream narrative and and, and people just, you know, day-to-day ordinary people are realizing how fucked up the system really is. Oh, yeah. I mean, the whole superdelegates thing and the rules of the convention is something that would just astound people. Um, and this is the first time they ever had really heard about it. I mean, I didn't know much about it before this. Uh, and we could still see this with a Republican convention, again, because the rules, the rules can be changed for that, as they can for the Democrat convention. Mm-hmm. So uh, there could be some... Uh, fun there, but yeah, I think it's. It, I think you're right. I mean, people, there is definitely a growing awareness and belief around the world that politics is systematically corrupt. Right, 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 and that's what's feeding the outsiders thing. Um, the question, I guess, is if something is systemically corrupt, how do you stop that? You know, how do you change a system? It's not having a president won't do it. Yeah. It's, you're still going to have congressmen and senators. And, yeah, it's not just one person. It's the system itself. System, yeah. Well, isn't the yeah. trick to get an in, start getting independence in or maybe splitting up some of the parties? I think that's, that's going to happen. I think that's exactly what's going to happen. Um, the the uh, view that you hear repeatedly across America is that people want a third party and I think in this as we see certainly on the Republican side you can see that there are you know a vast number of conservatives who do not want to support Trump under any circumstances and are toying with a third party bid and yeah I think look I mean let's be honest Trump and Sanders are effectively independents aren't they yeah they're not party people yeah. Uh, and I think that's the start of it. So what an interesting year for you being in the middle of all this gambling. Like, <laughs> <laughs> It's great fun. Yeah, yeah. It's a great experience and what a great year to pick. <laughs> so what else were you... Uh, I mean, should we stay on... Darren, do you want to stay on the U.S. thing for a little while longer? Or? That don't matter. It don't matter, yeah. Jeez. I just... I'm, I'm floored by the, the year that it's going to that it's going to become like Hillary. I mean, obviously the system wants Hillary to win. And I feel like, so what are the odds on Hillary winning? Uh, right so now, if you, put, if you place the hundred pound and you would get back 139, if she wins. And, and so, right. So, it equates to about 72% likelihood. What if I put a hundred bucks on Mitt Romney right now? <laughs> that will let, net you a thousand to one. So you would get, <laughs> Give me a hundred bucks, Graham. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Romney's going to run. What about Paul Ryan, Romney. maybe? Paul Ryan, yes. And I would love that. That's, that's my dream, dream result. I've backed him 500 to 1 for the nomination ages ago. 1,000 to 1 for the presidency. Stranger things have happened. So if he runs, does that effectively split the party? Oh, I, I don't think he will run personally. The, 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 what we're weighing up at the moment is 
precisely what is the next move for the Never Trump movement. Because, <laughs> the Never Trump. Like, you know, their plan was to, like, get everybody to form this alliance with Ted Cruz and John Kasich, where they, um, you know, people in one state all vote for Cruz to stop Trump, people vote for Kasich in another to stop Trump. Didn't work, right? So they pulled out. But clearly, what's happened since with Ryan, um, you know, declaring he doesn't support Trump, clearly then they haven't just accepted Donald Trump. So have they got another plan up their sleeves? Right. Yeah, are they? And one of the things they could do, it's, it's probably caused riots, and it would probably, you know, it would completely split the party, is there's this thing called the Rules Committee for the convention that meets. And if the Rules Committee, helped along by all the candidates bar Trump agreeing, that you could change the rules and all the delegates that were won are legally bound to vote for Trump or Cruz or whoever, are, no, are now free and no longer legally bound to support Donald Trump or whoever, then the whole thing changes. They could all abandon Trump, these people, the, the, the delegates, and then they could give it to Cruz, they could give it to Ryan or whoever they want. But but then that's the end of the Republican Party, probably. Would you see a third party so, emerge? Yeah. I think, I mean, really, predicting where they go from here is, is impossible. I mean, I, don't, I, think, I do think that the split that we're seeing now is irrefer- irreparable, and there's going to have to be a third party, because there isn't room, clearly, in the same party, unless Trump... <laughs> You know, again, like reverses all these policy positions again. <laughs> uh, you can't be in the same party as a lot of these people, like Cruz, Ted Cruz, for example. Um, and his supporters, obviously, are substantial. A vast number of people, 10 million votes. Um, I don't think they're just going to accept their man being um, turned over in you know a, a plot. So, <laughs> watch this space, really. And then you got the same thing on the other side. Well, I don't think they'll split, though. I don't think that the issues... I actually think the Democrat split, if you like, but it's, it's overdone. I, I don't really think that there's that much difference between Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders. There's not as much as is made out. If you look at their voting records, they're both pretty solid Democrats. Yeah, what what do you, you know, think if, if Bernie went and spun around and, and doesn't get the, the Democratic nomination, could he effectively run as a third-party candidate, as an independent? I'd be astounded if he did that. I think Hillary, he would definitely support Hillary Clinton. I don't think it's anywhere near as vitriolic. You know, there's rivalry and there's disagreements, but... There's nowhere near, they don't hate each other and their supporters ultimately want the same thing. And I think in both cases, they would want just to stop President Trump. So he's more apt to just try again in four years? he just try again in four years or do something else. Or do, or do you take a different role, you know, maybe leader movement, you know, mm. without necessarily running for president. Mm. Oh. <laughs> I just, 
isn't there a chance that some stuff will blow up with Hillary too? Like, I mean, she's even talking about going to, I don't even want to bring it up, but. What are the to, odds Trump gets shot? <laughs> no, 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 I'm betting on that. Um, there isn't betting on that? You can't, like, do no, that? No, you can't. That you can't that's do that. Like, no, it, 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 it's, 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 it, well, there's not illegal to, but it's, there's, it's, um, Frowned upon. It's crossing an ethical border. <laughs> The political, no, the political Deadpool is not uh, not allowed. No, not ethical. No, no one bets on no one bets <laughs> like no betting company bets on Deadpool. So that's just guys down the pub. What no. about what about a, a bet on whether Hillary gets any information on Area Fifty One on UFOs or anything like that? Is that <laughs> is that in there? Because she's talking about no, it. No, <laughs> is she? Is she? Oh, yeah, yeah, oh yeah. I didn't know that. I didn't is, know that. Didn't hear about that. There's a New York Times article on it even, so they're talking about it, which is really weird. That, they're getting it's getting to that level of media now. So, wow, I I don't personally think anything will come out about her. I think that the thing about Hillary Clinton is she's been in the political front line now for twenty five years, and involved in this like incredibly bitter relationship in Washington between her family, particularly, and the party, and against the Republicans. You know. And they've had investigation after investigation and congressional inquiry, one thing after another, and none of it's really stopped her. It's probably damaged her reputation, mm -hmm. you know, but it hasn't, you know, she's quite resilient. And I think if there was something that was going to stop her, it'd be out there now. I mean, you know, we've just had thousands and thousands of her emails published, and there's, no, there's very little in the way of a, you know, smoking gun. Mm. Yeah, it's boring. So Hillary will just be president. That's what I think, but I wouldn't say it's going to be boring. <laughs> uh, it's not be boring whilst her and Trump are around. But I, my instinct is, what's actually going to happen is, as we've seen over the last few months, the longer that Donald Trump spends in the public eye, worse his poll numbers will get, and they're very bad to start with. And by the time we get to the convention. The Republicans are going to be in crisis, and everybody's going to be talking about Hillary Clinton being a certainty, and that it could even change the whole nature of the race. It could mean that the Democrats win the Senate, but, but take control of the Republicans, lose the Senate, or lose the House. A lot of races dependent on this. Mm. And then we just see this split, and the last few months could just become about this, like, really vitriolic split in the Republican Party while Clinton just eases to victory. I'm still going to keep my hundred bucks on President Trump. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, listen, there's a long way of going. Things happen. He's already, defi he's already defied the odd ones. Hasn't he? <laughs> Can you bet on other things like the House and the Senate and all that? Like what other stuff do you guys bet on over there? Well, in specific there, there to you. Specific there, to US politics. Yeah, specific, yeah. To that, um, the Senate, you can bet on the Senate and the um, House control, but not that much. There's not a lot of interest in it. The more interesting things will now be, so is the vice presidential candidates. Right, right. And then once the nominees are confirmed, we'll have a whole load of election markets, such as each individual state, who wins each individual state, um, the distribution of votes in the Electoral College, which is something I'd be heavily involved in. 
um, and uh, and perhaps some other specials, you know, vote share. I mean, again, if 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 it was looking like one of them was going to win by ten percent, there'd be a handicap made, even it out. Mm. So you get a bit on a handicap. So you can you can bet both ways on this. So can you explain to people a little bit more about how you yeah. how you do that? Because it's um especially for us in, in North America where betting on, on politics yeah, sure, is like sure. is like completely foreign. Okay, so um there's first of all, so there's a the betting industry in the UK is the most liberal in the world. Uh, virtually anything goes. And there's two types of betting firm. There's bookmakers, who uh-huh. are like bookmakers. You might get a racetrack, you just offer odds and you bet with them. Yeah. Or there's this concept of the betting exchange, which is Betfair.com, who I'm an analyst for. Um, and Betfair is like the stock market of politics, like the eBay of politics. Right, right, okay. Purely peer-to-peer, um, and it's a live peer-to-peer market, driven, and the odds are purely driven by supply and demand. And they move in real time. So um, to take an example, um, the best bets I've had on this on this um, cycle were back in Ted Cruz when he was rated 3% to win. Yeah, so his odds were 30. Yeah. So I had uh, $750 at 30 to 1. And then when those odds came down, I then cashed out. I would then cashed out some of that and took, say, 2000 out of it when it was about five. Yeah. Um, so, I've, so you can profit. lose and still get money? <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, because you're. It, it's just like buying shares, buying and selling shares. You buy someone and then you can sell them back at any time for a profit or a loss, depending whether you've called which way the market moves. Huh. <laughs> so, it, so even now, as we we you know we're talking about Clinton v Trump and it being done, but the market still goes on until the convention, so it's actually confirmed. Now, for example, you could back. Um, you mentioned Mitt Romney before. You could back Mitt Romney for the nomination at about three hundred, four hundred to one. And if some newspaper story came out tomorrow, Mitt Romney's going to challenge Trump at the convention. That three hundred to one would come right down to like twenty or something, and then I could and cash you could just out, make your money, cash out. Yeah, don't, don't give Darren any crazy ideas. What's this? Wait, what, what's He'll be that? emailing fake stories what's to the, the website? New York Times. Betfair dot com. We can't yeah. access it here in Canada, yeah. Darren. We can't. I, can I could probably access it via proxy. <laughs> I think we are. I think they are in Canada, Betfair. Uh, maybe, maybe. I could but, be wrong, but. No, okay. I tried they're it. definitely in North America because they've got the racetracks in America and that. And the, the website, you can't log on in America, but you can look at it. Why can I not access Betfair? We are sorry to inform well, you that as of the 14th of January 2016, Betfair's products will no longer be available to residents of Canada. So I could either get someone from the UK posse to bet for me. <laughs> yeah, that's what you have to do, yeah. Or yeah, I can I, just use my proxy on my laptop. But the, I wonder yeah. if it's hard to get paid then would be the problem. That's the problem. That's the problem. They won't issue you an account unless you fulfill all of the legal residential it's criteria. A, yeah, I need that. an address yeah. and everything. So I'm yeah, going to have to get... Bank account. 
It's unreal to me eh, that we can't do like why well, can't we, we have just a lot do of UK listeners? We'll just get someone in the UK to set up an account and give us login info, and they okay. could just donate the money <laughs> yeah. back to us, and we'll figure out something greasy. <laughs> what we need to do here, I mean, really, this is a revolution the world needs. I'm not just talking out of self-interest here, but wouldn't it be great if something like Betfair.com or you know, just got rivals, other other exchanges came together, and it was a truly global thing, and it was beyond. You know, it was genuinely like eBay. And you could have a bet with someone from Canada or someone That sounds from an awful lot like a free world, Paul. <laughs> 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 I know, utopian madness. <laughs> <laughs> well, they do it in the stock market. I mean, look at the trillions that are traded on speculation there. Like, this, is, this must just dwarf, that dwarfs this gambling anyways, probably. Well, precisely. I mean, this would be my point. I don't really see why it's any different from any other form of financial products. Really, it's the same principle. It's less fucking shady, probably. Well, absolutely. I I mean, there's no way on earth that political betting certainly is corrupt. And actually, it's a very good point, because one of the big issues, in certainly in the betting world, but also sports, I think, is the Growing awareness of match fixing. I was gonna. That was my next question. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Okay, right now. So you know, this definitely goes on. We've seen it in tennis. We've seen it in cricket. We've seen it in um, FIFA. Yeah, with FIFA. Yeah, and there have and you know something. There's a long-standing thing. There are things that happened in football like 20 odd years ago in the UK that are very suspicious. So that's always been there, and it is undoubtedly betting driven. Right. 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 But here's the thing. The UK that has the liberal, open gambling market Mm -hmm. doesn't see any of this. It doesn't take place here. Right. Because if you wanted to fix a horse race or a cricket match, right, people within the industry, after it's happened, they know it's happened, right? There's enough trails of money and suspicious activity say something just went on in that that game. Right. Right, yeah. If you did it with the UK, in the UK, all of the betting companies have an understanding with the financial authorities and the police that if the police have the right to ask for to see the betting on a particular match outcome, so they would never get away with it, right? They would be identified immediately through their bank account. It'd be pretty their, obvious, right? Yeah, it's pretty obvious, and so it doesn't happen. Where the where this corrupt gambling takes place, for example, on it's all in the Far East or in Asia. So if you take cricket as a really good example, which is like the main sport that I bet on, um, cricket's got a long history of corruption, match fixing. But all, all the gambling is taking place in the Middle East and in um, illegal Indian, you know, organised crime operations. Mm-hmm. And it's because it's illegal. <laughs> Making it illegal encourages the criminals. Yeah, it's similar to the drug market. Yeah, it's similar to the drug problem, really. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, and and so this sort of concept of a free world is actually very rational, isn't it? You know, sometimes. (laughs) So, so you're saying that you didn't you didn't really get involved in the Canadian politics. Well, no, I, I mean, I don't really have the expertise. I could read up. Um, I knew I knew about Trudeau, and I saw that move happening. If I'm honest, I would have been a bit sceptical 
I might have taken a contrary position on that because um, conservatives have a remarkable habit of um, overperforming their polls, getting their supporters out. And a lot of countries, another general rule is that there's a late swing towards the government, towards the status quo, because people get scared of change. Uh-huh. So, so I might have been more, you know, sim- I might I might not back through, though. I might have ended up back in Stephen Harper. Oh, there's a lot of people regretting that right now, I think. <laughs> Are they? Is he not popular? I don't know. He's good at spending money. <laughs> <laughs> Not yeah, spending the wrong money. That's well. Who knows? I don't want to get into that too much. Can you can you bet on ga- on stuff like Game of Thrones and all that in there? I saw I saw uh, I saw something you can't going bet on around. Game of Thrones. You can't bet on Game of Thrones, but you can bet on fictional things like um, you can certainly bet on reality TV shows. You know, wow. X Factor, Big Brother, <laughs> these sorts of things, and they're really popular. Like, not my cup of tea, but uh, they are very popular. And in the, in, you can have like, a, sometimes they have like real set piece drama episodes of soap operas, like East End. Have you ever heard of a show called East End by any chance? Yeah. 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 So when, you know, they find out who killed someone, right? There'll be lot, and they film it live, and you can bet on who the person was. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> Yeah. What's the most um, What's the most absurd thing you can bet on on there? Oh, that's a really good question. Well, with a betting firm, I would have said that. I would have said precisely that, probably, betting on the next, betting on who killed Archie Mitchell in EastEnders when obviously someone knows the result already. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. Um, but... I mean, on a personal level, you know, and honestly, like I said, I grew up gambling, you know, a lot of my friends are gamblers. We used to gamble on everything. We used to gamble on the next song to come on the radio, <laughs> you know, just for a bit of fun. Hmm. Like pick an artist. <clears throat> you know, if, if, you, if you do for gambling for fun, you can gamble on anything at all. So how do you, when it comes to, when it comes to like mainstream politics and stuff like that, and, and the, you must have to watch all this media, you must have to pay so much mm. attention to all this, doesn't it eventually just drive you bonkers, all this media? And like, how do you, even though you know, it. even though you know that there's a lot of spin and there's a lot of like fuckery, really rhetoric, you know, mm. how, you, you obviously have to get past that, but then you also have to take into account how that affects the, that spin yeah. affects the public, right? Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's, I love it. I love that. I love doing that. I love that challenge. Um, you're absolutely right. You have to listen to everyone. You have to listen to the craziest voices and the least reliable voices, but it doesn't matter. You've got to know what the, the debate that people are having. And um, you can't just assume that because somebody says something that you think well, that's patently untrue, doesn't mean that a lot of people won't agree with it. Um, and you've got to know who that spin suits, how it's going to affect the race, how it's going to affect the trajectory of the candidates. Um, so I really like that. I really like deconstructing it all. Hmm. Is there somewhere that you go where you, like, do you have a couple of go-to spots where you can trust that information? 
Um, more more so than just realizing it's all spun. Like, can you? Well, I do think I I'm, I do think that whilst you know I can see all the weaknesses in the mainstream media, there's many. There are still lots and lots of decent journalists and decent sort of projects. Uh, I mean, for example, I I think that academics, if we're talking about polling, um, or polling and predicting elections, that whole uh, psychological process. I, th- I trust that. I trust the academics, absolutely. And they've got a great record. And it's really useful to get that information. Um, and likewise, I think there are publications that do a fairly neutral job. Like, for example, I think that the Washington Post is quite, in America, I said Washington Post is quite a good newspaper. Got quite a broad range of what's happened. Um, if they Politico is another good um, publication. Um, I wouldn't say that I read them more than the others, but I just tend to find that if I'm weighing up an issue, and you're you, you know, you, oh, I've got my all the extremes on my Twitter timeline and all these links, the you know extreme perspectives on stuff. The Washington Post seems pretty neutral. Right. On the, on the, which is what you you have to stay right like it's hard you must have to separate your your biases and your likes and your dislikes sure which is it's a constant challenge i think um first of all the gambling you're going to be a successful gambler professional not just do it for a bit of fun you've got to be neutral you know you can't go around backing your own team um you can't go around backing a horse because oh i back i said i like it because i backed it last time and it won Right. Got to have each race is different, and that's really important with politics. I'd say, in a way, it's probably easier for me in this case because I'm not American. Right. No, I haven't got a vote in this. Yeah. Right. And although obviously, as someone who's interested in politics, I've got opinions. I don't. Uh, I, it's quite easy to detach myself. Whereas I say that's quite hard in this country because I'm not saying I can't do it. I don't, and I try to do it. Uh, but a good example might be that most of my friends would probably vote one way. The area that I'm from would probably vote one way. And when you're hearing all your neighbours and your friends saying one thing, it's very hard to detach that and just say, yeah, but remember, that's just a little bubble. One constituency out of 650. Yeah. Doesn't mean, Doesn't mean people in London think like that. Yeah. I guess the scary thing is when, you know, having said that, going back to U.S. politics, even though... It directly doesn't affect you. That is the one country that could really affect the world. You know, what sure. happens there, you know, has an effect everywhere, really, to, to some extent. Yeah, and, and, and that, I think that's another reason why it's really captured the imagine, captures imagination always more than other elections, and it, particularly this time. Again, we go back to Trump. I mean, to the outside world, certainly in the UK, there's just total shock and disbelief for what has happened, like that, how could this guy be one of the candidates? Because <laughs> we don't do the whole, you know, we've never had celebrities. <laughs> it's, 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 it's unimaginable. What can, what can they learn, like the, 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 the American political system from, from professional gambling? <laughs> and you got, and you know, how you guys do it there? I guess it's more, I don't know about the political system per se, but the media certainly. Um, 
you know, without obviously I would say that, but I do think that as we were saying before, it's very hard to find a neutral voice. And I think you'd find that we are pretty much as neutral as it gets for the right. reasons that we discussed. We've got to. Right, I'm right. Thought not to be. Right. Um, and certainly you get a lot of, you know, I, I like the American media. I prefer it to the British media, personally. Um, but, you know, you, I don't think there's many people on Fox, for example, who are neutral. No, that's uh, why. Do you, why do you prefer it over the UK media? Um, I think it. I don't honestly. I find it more honest. I find the politics anyway. But, but in, in so many respects, actually. Um, so let me give you an example. Right, with an election night in America, CNN would generally be the channel that I would watch more than any other. You've got. Um, firstly, it's entertaining. Everything's better about it. It's more lively. There's a scoreboard. You know, there's constant analysis and things going on and, and one little panel of people and they're switching to another, a different panel. And it's quite honest. It seems to me that the, the, the discussion that goes on is a lot more direct. It's not, it's not really nuanced. And in, in Britain, they all talk like management consultants. So they all talk like that. As if people can't tell the difference between the political parties in the UK because they all sound the same, even though they are actually saying different things. Isn't it the um, UK one where they're like, when you listen to like C-SPAN, they're like yelling at each other and throwing stuff. Yeah, that's the and, Parliament. Yeah, that's uh, the Parliament there, right? That, yeah, that doesn't like and, and, carry over into <laughs> politics in general. In I, I assume like UK <laughs> politics would just be a shit show. <laughs> No, it's not. It's not. I mean, Parliament is just weird, and everybody thinks it's like a bunch of children, right? <laughs> they don't get anything done. But when they're on, um, for example, we're talking about election night. Yeah? So yeah, we had an election night the other night, and what you get, rather than I find the American one, is quite a diverse discussion on a variety of topics, and a variety of different guests and different perspectives. The UK seems to have the BBC particularly have this like format where. So we'll have two presenters, or one representative for each party. And what we're going to do is beat up all three of those party people all night long. We'll just hammer them. We've already worked out the question that they can't answer. And we're going to repeat it a hundred times <laughs> and make them answer that question in a hundred different stupid ways. <laughs> because they can't. And it's, 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 it's brain damage. It really is terrible. <laughs> um, and... The other thing is they have people on the British TV, the amount of commentators on the British TV, who they don't declare what their interest is. So, like, on CNN, if a Trump supporter comes on as an analyst, they present that person as Trump's surrogate. You know who they are. They're representing Trump's point of view. Fine, that's all good. On the BBC, they have people on all the time who are, like, um, just presented as neutral analysts, and they're not. Oh, they're on okay. one campaign or the other. Why is so that's uh, kind of like the... See, see, that's less in our politics over here and more in our, like, prescribing of medicine or selling people shit. Yeah. So you can tell people anything almost. Mm. Mm. It's, it's, um, I just tend to find, I mean, the transparency is better, I think. Yeah, I, yeah. I can see what you mean by that. 
Yeah, it would be hard for me to watch that not knowing sort of what what side they're taking, especially when we're so used to it being polarized in the states. Mm. So what? Yeah. Since you're since you're so into politics, I, I don't know this is a little out there, but when when are we going to see? Oh boy! And 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 let's say globally or even in in continentally. Um, and an app that we have on our phone that we use to vote on issues. Like, is that coming? That's not good. Well, why not? Maybe well, why, you want, good. you want fucking votes like, to be you get digital? A question, like, Who's you want... in charge of that? Google? It's going to come. It's going to come. on your thumb. It's going to come. Ink on your thumb and you fucking put your thumbprint. It'll someplace. be like in, in, like you were in Greece in the old democratic, you digital know, when it first started. It's the it's, end of democracy. We go back to where we were before, though. We've, we were talking about how corrupt the processes are and the superdelegates and all this. The people who government, and, I, and I'm not crit necessarily criticising for this, they don't really like too much democracy. <laughs> you know? They're always, and I think that that, giving people the actual, making voting that easy, is something they're never going to do. That's a really good point, actually. That's that's where it's going to stop at. You're right. Yeah, but then they could just have an algorithm that says they no, won. No, no, no. That's, that what? That says, that they, says won. they won. Oh, that they... <laughs> well, I mean... The, Did you know look, that if you comment on our website, I could go on there and change your comment? <laughs> <laughs> and nobody would know. <laughs> no, but I mean, there obviously have to be some safeguards in place for that. I mean, all I'm saying is that that's inevitably where... It's going to go in some countries, I'm and sure. Then you bet on, e then you vote on everything. Yeah, real time. yeah. Then you vote on it. Like, well, you know, you know, it'll probably happen in Iceland or somewhere like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Right? Small community. Yeah, small yeah. Community that couldn't manage it themselves and accept That's like the Canada. But if you think of the United States, Canada, I think too big again. Yeah. yeah. How many people are in Iceland? Just a couple million, oh, probably. Oh, yeah. Um, I'd go. I'd, I'd guess less than a million. In Iceland? Really? Yeah. Can I move there? <laughs> Probably not. Yeah, you know, they're the only country as well that didn't bail out the bankers. Well, yeah, I know. I've, and then they, they let them crash. Yeah, it's 330,000 330, people in 2013. That's it. Oh, man, I got to go there. Does being an Indian get me in? <laughs> you're, only, think, you're only half I Indian. think that only gets me a pass across <laughs> North America. <laughs> How do you how do you find it in the UK these days? Um, <laughs> uh, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, it's you know it's my country. My friends are here. My family. Are, I'm not committed particularly to living there. I mean, so for both of the year in America. Um, but I think that it's a pretty stable country, the UK. Um, it's got a lot of the same problems that. The driving American politics and probably Canadian as well what, and European. What are the odds on and what are the odds on the Brexit? If I was to put a hundred pounds, yeah. So if it, if you put a hundred pound on them leaving, you would get back three hundred and fifteen. If you had a hundred pound and staying, you get back one hundred and forty-six. Let's put a hundred on. Let's well, let's let's. Well, let, let, we got to talk to Tell to the posse. <laughs> <laughs> we got to talk to our UK posse. Yeah. It's a good, that's a very interesting race, though. It's not an easy one to predict because um, it's close. It's very close. 
and the the, uh, the, uh, the the issue is whether the people who want to stay in the European Union actually turn out and vote. Can they be relied upon to get motivated to vote for something that they don't love, but they think is probably a reasonable idea? Right. Whereas the people who want to leave, it's the biggest vote of their lives. Right. Yeah, like the Scotland one. Did you? Did you guys? Did you? Yeah. Did you? How'd you do on that one? Yeah, we got that right. I got that right. Well, um, it was. Um, I mean, again, it wasn't as close as it as it was something predicted. It was. There was, I think, in the case of Scotland, even more so than the Brexit. It's just too big a risk. People don't want to take a risk. They, as I say, we were before about how these things change, how the polls change. Generally, as you come towards a big election, especially a referendum, well, that's so important. People get cold feet at the end, they get scared and um, stick with the government. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah that's understandable. Um, and they may have another one yet, though, Scotland. They may well. There's every chance. I mean, one of the, one of the um, issues with the Brexit is that if... Britain voted to leave the European Union, uh, we would split because Scotland will certainly vote to stay in. Oh, I see, yeah. yeah. So that would be a huge dividing line. And, just and what about conquer, Northern Ireland? Can't you just conquer them? <laughs> Is that what Braveheart was all about? Did Braveheart stop you guys? <laughs> Sorry, say that again? Is that what Braveheart was all about? Did Braveheart stop you guys? Um... Braveheart was credited with inspiring this whole independence movement oh, like when it came out 20 years ago. <laughs> um, and not that I'm an expert on the subject, but as I understand, it's, it's, it's not the most accurate film in the world. Probably not. Um, Mel, Mel Gibson's know, been known to uh, stretch the truth. <laughs> Once or twice, Yeah. <laughs> Then he um, cast himself as Jesus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but sure, yeah, that's um, so. That's an ongoing thing with Scotland and the break up of the union. Um, that's another reason why I think people, Britain will stay in because I think it, it's just too much fallout of leaving. Yeah, if we leave, there'll be so many more headaches. If we just get worried, yeah, and it'll fuck up the union too. Apparently, quite a bit. Mm. Mm, exactly. Fuck the union. Yeah. So, anyways, Paul, thanks for thanks for staying up late for us. Is there anything else you think we uh, you want to touch on? And we're going to put all your 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 uh, website links into the show notes for those of them that aren't in Canada that can actually access it. <laughs> um, no, that's great. Um, yeah, main thing is to mention my blog, politicalgambler.com. dot com. That's the big one for me. Will do. Okay, um, and just sends a clip, and I'll send it out. It's, it's, it's been great talking. Good fun. Yeah, it's yeah, been it's yeah. been uh, enlightening for us too. And thanks for thanks for staying up late and coming on the show. No problem at all. Okay, take care. Okay, take care. Good Do good luck this uh, this fall. Thank you. Okay. Thank you very much. All Enjoy right. it all. Cheers. Okay, bye. bye. Ciao. What do you think, buddy? <clears throat> yeah, that was fun. I still think I saw we could have won a thousand to one on Trump. I kind of had visions. Or no, of... ten to one. He says. Yeah. Uh, what? I could have won no. 10 to 1. I might still no, it was 100 win. to 1, I think, way back. I might still win uh, 1,000 to 1 on Romney. 
Yeah, well, get in touch with that posse and they can help us out. <laughs> I had visions of being back in the UK because I remember the gambling areas and how you could gamble and stuff, playing pool and stuff. With no, we wouldn't need donations that. anymore if we could get a racket with money a racket, on, yeah. <laughs> on US politics. How would, would you call it? America racket? Yeah. Uh, gram, no, the rackets are grams. The, the racket? <laughs> the rackets are yours, buddy. <laughs> Just for we can't we can't compromise the show. I'm too associated. They'll associate my last name with the show. It could be bad publicity. <laughs> what is called the Gracket? There's a million Grab Dunlops. <laughs> There's not that many. So Plus, yeah, that, you could yeah, Google bomb it with some Dunlop tires. I still find it weird about the, about how people. I, I still think I feel like he got. A, a wrong view of uh, of Trump as well, right? Like a, a meteor media take on view, a meteor, a media take on view <laughs> on Trump. Yeah, well, that's out there. That's probably where these guys get most of their info. But that was still fun. Big thanks to Paul for coming on the show, and uh, yeah, someone from the UK posse get in touch, and someone who's not averse to making some money on politics. <laughs> uh, that, speaking of making money, check out gramerica.ca slash upgrade. Only a few weeks left to grab your tickets. Uh, uh, one for 20, three for 50. I think there's about 35 left. So let's see if we can sell them all. Before. Yeah, thanks to everybody that supported us. It's, yeah, it's for our new computer and yeah. uh, in the recording computer, the new Mac. And and you get to come on, uh, come on the show. The show, pick a guest and come on the show with us. Yeah. And I'll let you make up the gramism that way. So, yeah, yeah, thanks for your That's support. That's gramerica.ca slash upgrade. And, uh, yeah, sign up for a monthly, gramerica.ca slash support. Uh, big thanks to all our monthly subscribers now. Uh, always, sometimes these things randomly cancel. I've noticed a few go down lately. Maybe they just go down because people don't support us anymore. But I have heard of uh, those just randomly going down. So remember to subscribe. Yeah, to check, just, check uh, it out. Check out Double check people. your subscription from time <laughs> yeah. to time and make sure you're still there. And uh, spam grab. Tell your friends about this show. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next week.